Yes, I know what you're all saying. What happened to him? What happened to Jamie Dury these past few days? And I do send my apologies to you. It's been a busy few days. I've been trying to assimilate a lot of information. Uh, and uh, to be very honest, I was feeling rather melancholy over what was about to happen, which happened at 12 noon today. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so in one of three ways. Your choice. For you iPhone users, simply go to the iTunes App Store and search for NPO Online, or NPO Podcast, rather, or NP Online. You'll find us with the big red um, American flag logo. For you Google uh, Android users, you can go to the Google Play Store, search the same way. You'll find the same podcast. And if for any reason uh, you don't choose to view it through either of your uh, phone's operating system's native podcast app. You can go to podbean.com, which is our hosting service. They have an app in both places. You can download the free Podbean app, and you can subscribe to the show that way. However you choose to subscribe to the show, it's free. The big advantage is you'll always be notified whenever a new show is uploaded. So please subscribe. Also, please leave us a review. Uh, The better the review you give us, of course, the better we like it. And the more reviews we get, the more quickly the show will grow. We'd also like to expand our offerings by increasing our advertising budget, but advertising budgets take money. We are not making any money with the show uh, right now, but we are trying to expand it. To that end, we have created a GoFundMe campaign on our Facebook page. If you go there, facebook.com forward slash National Preview Online, you can scroll down and you can see it and you contribute to it. We're not looking for huge donations. Every one, two, three, four, five dollar, ten dollar donation is appreciated. It all goes right back into advertising to bring the show not only to places abroad where conservative movements are burgeoning, but also to different parts of our own country, the United States. And we need it now more than ever. Okay, so what's happening? Well, we already know what happened today. Today, the Trump presidency came to a close and the Biden presidency has begun. It's begun already with threats of implementing 17 executive orders. You can rest assured that Sleepy Joe doesn't even know what orders he signed. They've just taken papers, written them all out for him, shoved it in front of him, said, sign here, Joe, sign here, Joe. Okay, okay, I can just see it now. Uh, You won't have many public ceremonies with this administration. They did a very good job of keeping Joe Biden in the basement, and there's a reason for that. It's why you haven't seen him all that much since um, uh, the election, because Joe is just not capable of uh, being able to handle himself in public. That's why he goes on shows like um, Stephen Colbert to get softball questions like, uh, you know, what flavor ice cream do you prefer and things like that, other pressing matters. But they are there now. You have Kamala Harris and President Trump made a very, very nice speech when he got to Florida, and he also made one at Andrews uh, Air Force Base when they gave him a salute. Uh, he's not going away. He's going to come back in some form. And there are many ways that President Trump could come back. Originally, I thought what he might do, I thought it would be a very good move, now that he's officially changed his residence to Florida, would be to move to Florida, as he has done, and then become governor. But... Ron DeSantis, the governor at present, only assumed office in January of 2019, so he's not up for re-election 
until four years uh, now, which would be the fall of 2022. I guess the new governor would take office on uh, January of 2023, assuming that um, Governor DeSantis did not get reelected. And 2024 is when the new presidential campaign begins. So the question becomes, does Trump want to be governor of Florida for two years uh, and then use that as a high-profile platform for running for president again? Because if he does become governor, it does several things for him. See, I don't see a, a person like Donald Trump wanting to be or even being a senator. When you're a senator, it's a great position for people who don't want to do anything except make a lot of money. But you're not really responsible for anything. You're not really accountable for very much. Uh, and you're only one of 100. So unless you're a very special senator, like the majority leader or minority leader or something like that, you don't have a great deal of autonomy. You just have a nice high-profile position that allows you to get a lot of perks associated with government, and you fly around and you go on the Sunday morning talk shows. That aside, not much to it. Not suitable for Donald Trump. Donald Trump needs to be a chief executive. So I picture him as a president. I picture him as a governor, uh, a mayor. But, you know, even mayor is too small for him. He needs to be a governor. What better state for him to be a governor of than the state of Florida? Because not only does it keep him in the public eye, it allows him to speak. He's going to be speaking anyway. But now he's got a position where he can point to achievement because you know he's going to achieve in whatever uh, role he chooses to take on. And when people see how Florida is doing so well under a Trump administration, you may get a lot of people saying, hey, I think uh, we'd like to have this guy back in the White House again, which is why the Democrats are so hell-bent on trying to impeach him even after he's left office. Now, we've spoken about this on the show before. Constitutional scholars like Professor Alan Dershowitz from Harvard uh, have spoken about this and said that it is completely unconstitutional. Uh, Lindsey Graham, the senator from South Carolina, was on Sunday Morning Futures this past weekend with Maria Bartiromo and echoed the same sentiment um, and also expressed how it would be suicide uh, for the Republicans to do this. We're going to go on with this a little more. But this morning... I made sure that I awoke in time to see President Trump and First Lady Melania leave the White House for the last time. Uh, but unlike the media and the leftists who did this because they wanted to celebrate the event, as I've already said, I did so rather somberly to lament, to lament the departure of one man who has accomplished so very much in so short a period of time despite political opposition, media character assassination, and every possible obstacle being put in his path. More than this, I awoke to witness the event so that I would never forget the massive fraud that was perpetrated upon the American people and be forever reminded of who was complicit in it. And now we know. Now that Donald Trump has left Washington the scurrilous rats who inhabit that sewer now seem emboldened as if they no longer have anything to fear. The exterminator has left the building and the poison is being picked up by the new owners. We now know that the soon-to-be former Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is a swine, wasting no time in condemning the president and echoing the talking points of the mainstream media. 
accusing him of inciting the crowd that invaded the Capitol on January 6th, 2021. But where was all this self-righteous indignation over democracy being under assault when police stations were being stormed and taken over in cities like Seattle? Is that not insurrection against lawful authority? Are we to understand that it's only insurrection and something to be concerned about when the privileged few in Congress become the recipients of the people's anger? Where was the outrage on the part of these highly offended congressional representatives when that old bag, Maxine Waters, was calling for violence against any and every member of the Trump administration? Where was the outrage when Kamala Harris and others on the left spoke out in support of the actions of Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and the George Floyd uh, Floyd riots? In fact, I think some of these Democrats and their campaign funds actually gave money to bail out these people when they were arrested. And that's exactly what these things were. They were riots. You all saw it on television. People burning buildings, people breaking in, people beating people indiscriminately on the street, attacking people in their cars, destroying property, assaulting people. Those in no way, shape, or form can ever be described as peaceful protests. They're nothing short of riots, and you have to call it out as such. Now, the aforementioned Lindsey Graham, uh, who's disappointed me on many occasions in the past, and he's done so this time, but I'll get to that in due course. As I said, he was on Sunday Morning Futures this past weekend with Maria Bartiromo. And he spoke positively about President Trump and his accomplishments. But it's clear that he simply doesn't get it. He spoke about how President Trump uh, brought order and chaos to the border, rebuilt the military when it was on its back, how he destroyed ISIS, how he got five peace agreements between Arab countries and Israel in one presidential term that's almost unthinkable. He got the USMCA, and he cut taxes. And that's just some of what he did. Forget about all the cutting of deregulation he did. Forget about his foreign policy stances against China, his renegotiation of trade deals, which are, it just goes on and on, how he got us out of that terrible Trans-Pacific Accord and the terrible Paris uh, Climate Accord. Look, it goes on and on, his achievements. He says that he's the most consequential president of his lifetime, and that's true. He probably got more done in four years than Ronald Reagan was able to get done in eight years, and I loved Ronald Reagan. I thought he was the quintessential president of my lifetime until President Trump came along. But he still doesn't get it, Lindsay. While he was talking with Maria Bartiromo, he said, look, the Democrats are going to do the following. They're going to raise your taxes. They always do. They're going to open the borders. You see the caravans massing now. They're going to attempt to make D.C. a state so they can get two more senators and we never can control the Senate. They're going to implement parts of the Green New Deal. They're going to go for Medicare for all. Who's going to pay for all this? You know, he says, I have a fight on my hands. <clears throat> I have a fight on my hands. He says, here's what I think the Republicans need to do. He says, we need to work with Biden when we can, maybe on infrastructure. We need to fight like hell to turn to keep America from being turned into a socialist country. We need to reject the Green New Deal. Well, these are all 
laudable objectives, Senator Graham, but you're still missing the point. You missed your chance to fight like hell when you failed to come to the aid of President Trump. In addition to all of this that I have mentioned, you now have a new campaign out there from the left. On CNN, they had this supposedly behavioral analysis and a psychiatrist, psychologist, referring to all of the Trump supporters as members of a cult, that Trump was like a cult leader, and we all need to be deprogrammed. Now, I don't know what this cult is. This must be the cult that preaches that America should come first, if you're an American. This must be the cult that preaches people should be allowed to keep more of their own money. Um, This must be the cult that preaches we should have a strong military uh, to defend our borders, so we have borders, language, and culture. This must be the cult that teaches that other countries need to pay their fair share of the defense of their own countries and not rely on the United States and its people to do it for them so they can go on their socialist fanciful journeys of Medicare for all and money for all. Because in case you don't know the dirty little secret, ladies and gentlemen, the reason why the Europeans who our Democratic friends point to so often about having the welfare state over there, the reason why they are able to afford the welfare state, and they really can't afford it, they're in bad shape, is because they don't take on the burdens that nations should be taking on because they've gotten us like suckers to take it on, at least until Donald Trump came along. They don't spend anything on defense. If they ever had to spend on defense what they need to, to spend on defense in order to truly secure their countries, they could never be able to afford the socialism that they so uh, quickly embrace over in Europe. Graham went on to say that in just a few months, people are going to view President Trump very differently than they do now. Well, that's probably true, but that's going to be too late. Because he said that we're going to have the most aggressive socialized agenda in the first 100 days of the Biden administration. Because Biden is not calling these shots. These shots are being called for him. And I predict, like I said before, you're going to see renewed interest in Hunter Biden And they're going to use it to leverage Joe Biden right out of the White House because they want Kamala Harris there. They want her there in a very big way. Now, instead of looking to heal the country, the Democrats who said they want to heal the country are all about impeaching President Trump. Now, we opened the show talking about that. We talked about it the other day. Let's be clear about this. Impeachment is not a criminal affair. It's not a criminal trial. You can be impeached for committing crimes, but the impeachment process does not punish you from those crimes. It just removes you from office. The sole function of an impeachment is to have a process whereby a duly elected president can be removed from office for certain misconduct or violations of the oath of office. We have an impeachment process to remove federally appointed judges the same way, senators, etc. The only problem with this is that as of 12 noon today, Donald Trump is no longer the president of the United States. He can't be impeached. We have precedents for this. Back in the 70s when I was a young boy, Richard Nixon was going to be impeached by the Senate. 
Rather than put the country through that, Nixon chose to resign. You'll notice the minute Nixon resigned, there was no impeachment trial. Because they knew they couldn't do it. The impeachment was to serve the purpose of removing him. He removed himself. End of story. Now, in this case, Donald Trump didn't remove himself. His term of office simply came to an end. So why do they want to do this? They want to do it because they think that somehow they can get some sort of sanction against Trump to make sure that he can never run again. Now, what they really hoped to do is they hoped they could threaten him with impeachment before his term expired and get him to consent to resigning with the proviso that he never seek public office again. But they misjudged the man. He was never going to knuckle under to that. But now that he's successfully completed his term, the bullets in their gun are gone. The gun is unloaded. They can't use impeachment against him. And no less than Alan Dershowitz from Harvard Law School, the foremost, foremost constitutional scholar in the country, stands ready to defend President Trump against this ridiculous impeachment. Because he said, it is absolutely clear in the Constitution, it is unambiguous, that they have no authority against a former president, only against a sitting one. It's over. They can't do it. And there are political concerns for those on the conservative side of the aisle. People who ought to know better have been going after Trump. Liz Cheney among them. Now, Liz Cheney, probably because her father was Vice President Dick Cheney, tight with the Bushes, and Trump didn't always speak well of the Bushes, uh, but he speaks his mind. She thinks that he has to be thrown out of office because of what he did on January 6th. But what did he do on January 6th? He said we should all go and peacefully protest at the Capitol in a patriotic manner. Prior to that, he mentioned to his supporters who came out in the thousands for him that I understand your pain, how the election was stolen from us. Now, you can say what you want. 73 million Americans voted, 75 million Americans voted for this man, and they believe that the election was stolen. I was just discussing a little while ago with a friend of mine, and I want you to consider this. Now, we've spoken about this on the show before. We've spoken about the mathematics of this election and how what they want you to believe happened is essentially mathematically impossible. And the laws of mathematics are immutable. They're in full effect at all times, and they can't be, can't be altered. Two plus two equals two. It always does and always will. If for something to have occurred, as I've said before, two plus two needs to equal ten, then that something can't occur and didn't happen. Excuse me, I had to take a sip. I'm getting a little dry. But still, they want you to believe it didn't happen. Look, let's be fair. You all watched the campaign. You all watched Joe Biden in action, which, no play on words, was nothing more than inaction. You all saw Trump, indefatigable, three, four, five rallies a day sometimes. Guy's got unbounded energy. Crowds, 50, 60,000 people. Joe Biden, 15 people. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible to win an election by virtue of an anti-opponent vote. Meaning, it's not impossible for you to win simply by being the primary beneficiary 
of dislike or hatred for your opponent rather than through an abundance of support for yourself. That is possible. But usually when that happens, when a candidate is so hated that you win by virtue of the anti-candidate vote rather than a pro-vote for yourself, that candidate who was so hated usually doesn't get a lot of votes himself. Now, in Trump's case, with 73 to 75 million votes, Trump achieved more votes by an incumbent president in a re-election bid than any president in the history of this country. The notion that Biden, who couldn't draw flies at any event that he had, and has failed miserably at every prior attempt to run for president because everybody knows he's a looney tune and he's, he's corrupt as the day is long, he's a plagiarist, he's a womanizer, he's a pervert. The notion that he could win not with an anti-Trump vote, but could win outright with 85 million votes is fantasy. You're not going to sit there and tell me that you believe that Joe Biden, who never left his basement, was able to get 15 million more votes than Barack Obama was able to achieve, more votes than Bill Clinton was able to achieve, more votes than Hillary Clinton was able to achieve. You're not going to sit there and and actually ask us all to believe that, are you? Because it's complete fantasy. Now, if Biden really wants to heal the country, he may be feeble, he may be frail, he may be senile. But he's got one foot in the ground. And he's been around Washington long enough to know what's going to happen if they try and impeach Donald Trump. Like it or not, he's the president. And he could stop this impeachment tomorrow if for no other reason, not to protect Trump, but to protect the office of the presidency for future presidents. The same way that George W. Bush, to his credit, did not pursue any investigation of the highly questionable hundreds of pardons that Bill Clinton gave out in his closing days when it was speculated he was giving those pardons out for a lot of cash under the table, including the pardon of Mark Rich, who was an international arms dealer and a fugitive from justice, one who never accepted responsibility for his crime or his act, as you are supposed to when you seek a pardon, but instead fled like a fugitive and lived with a guard around him in Switzerland. After a $3 million or $1 million donation, I forget which, was made by his ex-wife to the Democratic National Committee, much of which it is speculated was funneled directly back to Bill, Mark Rich was suddenly pardoned. It was for pardons like this and others that Republicans wanted Bill Clinton investigated and prosecuted, since they were still bitter that he escaped the noose in his impeachment trial. George W. said, no way. Like it or no, the power of the president to pardon is absolute. Even though there are guidelines that have been created that help the president in making his or her decision as to who they will pardon, and if, it's not binding on him. He can pardon anyone he wants to, anytime. And so to protect the office and protect the pardon power for future presidents, which Barack Obama exercised with impunity, he pardoned thousands. He let it go. Biden can do the same thing. 
If he comes out publicly now and says this impeachment effort must stop, I don't think the Democrats would have any choice but to listen to him. Otherwise, they reveal him to be a puppet. They reveal him to be a paper tiger. If he can't control his own party, how's he going to deal with foreign leaders like Iran and in North Korea? And Lindsey Graham said as much on Sunday. He said that Biden must come out against the impeachment of President Trump. He states the impeachment of President Trump is unconstitutional now that he's a former president, and he called it a scarlet letter impeachment. Attempting to impeach a president after he has left office for the sole purpose of disqualifying him from ever holding public office again. Now, he did call January 6th the low point in his life in public office, but he also said that President Trump is in no way responsible for that riot. He never told anyone to break into the Capitol, and any attempt to try and impugn or impute that uh, conduct to President Trump is an out-and-out lie. He also said, as I have said, that if Republicans in the Senate embrace this unconstitutional impeachment of Trump, it will destroy the party. I agree with that, except I'm going to take it a step further. Senator, I think the Republican Party is already destroyed. People have lost faith in the Republican Party. For years, we've had to hold our nose and vote for people that we really didn't want because the Democratic alternative was unthinkable. I had to sit and hold my nose and vote for John McCain because I couldn't bear to see Barack Obama, a man who never had a job, become president. I had to hold my nose again and vote for Mitt Romney because I couldn't stand to see Barack Obama be re-elected as president. And now Romney has revealed himself to be what he truly is, a swine. But that joke is over. The train has left the station. People are tired. When you present the choice to the people that you have a choice of someone who's going to speed you to the grave or someone who's going to simply take you there slowly, that's not much of a choice. Eventually, people are going to say, we're not going to vote. We're not going to vote at all unless you give us a real choice. Or what we'll do is we'll create our own choice. And that's what President Trump, I believe, is going to do. I don't think it's simply idle talk that a third party is going to be born. And when a man has got 75 million followers, it doesn't take a calculator to figure out where his supporters are going to come from. They're going to be those supporters that are currently in the Republican Party because they have no other place to go. And once they go to that party, they're going to be committed not only to President Trump, former President Trump, but they're going to be committed to the candidates of of those Uh, that new party, because those candidates are going to stand for and espouse all the things that were part of the MAGA movement, which now dominates the current Republican Party. And this is where they're making their mistake. They think that by purging President Trump from the party, that they will purge the movement. I've said this before, you schmucks, you don't get it. Trump did not start this movement. This movement resulted as a, as a consequence of a growing dissatisfaction by people in this country that they were being governed against their will, that this liberal viewpoint is not the predominant viewpoint in the United States, and they wanted a halt to it. Trump heard these voices in the wilderness, as Paul Ryan, former House Speaker, commented the day after the election in 2016, and he recognized the dissatisfaction 
And every movement needs a leader. He became their leader. And that movement is not going away simply because President Trump has left office. It's only going to grow. And attempting to impeach him is only going to harden these people's resolve even more. We're not going to sit here and be deprogrammed. We're not going to be told that because we're pro-American and love our country and don't want it given over to communists and third world, um, what do you want to call them, beggars? They don't come here with anything. They don't come here giving anything. They can't fill out any paperwork you give them. And the reason why I mention that is if you or I went to a foreign country and somebody gave us paperwork in that country's native language, it'd be no disgrace if we couldn't fill it out. We speak English. But if we went to a different country and we were forced to fill out paperwork and they handed us that paperwork in English and we couldn't fill it out, we've got a problem. Well, that's what happens when these people come here. You say, well, they don't speak English. Makes no difference. They speak their own language, don't they? You give them the paperwork in their language, they can't speak it. So they're ignorant in two languages. They're ignorant in English, and they're ignorant in their native tongue. Basically, they're ignorant. They're uneducated, ignorant, and they're just anchors of society. We don't need them here. Not when we have people unemployed here. We have vaccines that are supposed to get rid of this virus, uh, which we have only thanks to President Trump. And yet the guy that came in at 12 noon today is talking about having a 100-day mask mandate and telling us our darkest days are ahead. If you're feeling like the world is upside down, it is. So what are we supposed to do? Well, as I've said before, you've got to keep your rudder in the water. We have to keep moving forward. And we have to start patronizing people and businesses that support our point of view. And starving out, just as the Democrats would do, they would make no, have no compunction against saying this, we have to starve out the people who are not supporting us. We have to stop patronizing the Amazons of the world. To a certain degree, we also have to stop patronizing the Walmarts of the world. They've made anti-Trump statements, and one of the Walmart heiresses is a big anti-Trump donor, I've learned. We can stop patronizing Bed Bath & Beyond, which used to be one of my favorite stores, because I've just learned that they're no longer going to allow the My Pillow company to bring their pillows in their store and sell them there because they don't like Mike Lindell because he was a Trump supporter. These people are not shy about how they want to visit retribution and revenge on people that supported the man they hate, Donald Trump. Therefore, we need to be equally bold and unshy about bringing to bear our dissatisfaction with our financial buying power against those who use our money to promote causes and movements that we disagree with. And we have to do it aggressively. I put my money where my mouth is. I've been slowly, as I change over and find alternatives, pairing these things away. And I made today a momentous day because at 12 noon, when the Trump presidency ended and the Biden presidency began, I ceremoniously deleted from my smartphone, and from my tablets. The Fox News app and the Fox Business app. Everything else I'd already done. I'd gotten rid of the Wall Street Journal, gotten rid of a host of other apps. But the Fox News app I saved for last. I wanted to be ceremonial because they were the one like Brutus that turned on him on election eve and called Arizona prematurely 
while they refused to call Florida so that at no point it would appear that Trump had the lead during the course of the evening. And so I put them to the crash, to the ash heap, rather, of history. And I will not resurrect them until they either change their tune or until most of the hosts that I used to watch leave that network and go someplace else. Now the only news apps on my phone are the Epic Times, Newsmax, and Sky News Australia. And for the time being, those are probably the only ones that should be on yours. Oh, and also OAN News. So once again, I apologize to you for leaving you hanging for a few days. Uh, I was trying to put together what I really wanted to say today. I think I've said a lot. But please don't despair. I know it's not easy not to feel that way, given uh, that today is the first day of an administration we never wanted to see. But there are brighter days ahead. The movement is not over. And we don't know what the future holds. But I do truly believe that the Trump family, Trump himself, are not going away. They're a very, very good family. They're a very close family. They're a very powerful family. They're a very, very bright and intelligent family. They've all moved to Florida. They bought homes there. And they're going to be a political force in this country for years to come, perhaps even decades to come. In fact, I think the political dynasty that the Trump family has the potential to create will eclipse any other political dynasty we've seen in this country, including the most recent one of the Bushes, who saw two members enter the Oval Office. There will be a third party. I really do believe that. I believe that Trump will lead it. And I've also believed that in order to get the word out, there will be a Trump news network, or whatever he chooses to call it. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.